And uh, I'm really excited about this because I had a dream right after we were down uh, with Brother Copeland's ministry, which, by the way, he is he was here two weeks ago. How many enjoyed him in our church? Wasn't that great? I mean, it was so, so blessing. But he told me, he said, hey, I'm coming back in uh, 2021. We're going to do a, a victory campaign in Omaha. So we're just working together on that. Wouldn't that be great? Be good to have him back. And uh, so we were on, Brendan and I, with what they call America Stands election coverage on that night. How many of you were able to, to at least watch it? Kind of went late that night, obviously. And so it was uh, November 3rd. And uh, November 4th, I was flying back, and the Spirit of God began to speak to me about a 70-day window. Now, he's not saying that everything is necessarily going to wrap up before or even afterwards. He's just saying we're in a 70-day window, those of you that are watching, to really pray and uh, fight for your rights. This is not a time to concede. Amen? It's a time to fight because the mercy of God, God is desiring to extend it greatly over this nation and for your children and your children's children. And so as we were coming back, it was just shortly right after that. I might have been that night, Brenda, where I got up about 2 o'clock in the morning to pray. How many of you like to pray at 2 o'clock? I like to pray between 2 and 3.30 in the morning just because nobody's around. The, all three German shepherds are sleeping except, you know, one likes to get up and, quote, pray with me. And, uh, but anyway, I like to get up at that time because I feel like the house is quiet. I can hear God. I can focus. I can, you know, war and, and all that. And um, so I, I got up to pray, not trying to impress you at the time. That's not the point. The point is... I got up to pray, and I went back to sleep probably around, I want to say, maybe 3.30. And uh, I must have awakened Brenda because she said, Hank, I'm going to get up and pray. I said, no problem. While she was praying, I uh, had a dream. And uh, this is why I, I, I feel a connection here with, with Kat Kerr. So in the dream, uh, the 46 that they're saying exists, he does not exist. You can't base it off of the AP. You can't base it off of the media declaring, you know, the the victory when it hasn't even had the electoral process play out and there's been no inauguration. So here's the point. The point is, in the dream, he was announcing his victory. And as he was getting ready to announce his victory, all of a sudden I began to look at, at television sets across the United States. But on one particular set, and it was, it was like the main voice, all of a sudden, and, and I'm not trying to be over super sensational, I'm not trying to be weird, I'm just being factual and truthful and God knows I'm telling you the truth. I've seen in a vision the face of, of Lucifer, the devil, before, but this is the first time that he talked to me. I didn't discuss anything with him. He was talking, and I heard his voice. I saw his face, and he was projecting his image, and he was declaring his message across the airwaves, and it was so convincing what, what Satan was saying that people were believing it, and he was announcing that uh, he had won, the candidate was in fact going to be um, seated and blah, blah, blah. And I remember in the dream going, no, this is a lying spirit. Why are the people not fighting? And in fact, his words were so convincing that I had to shake myself. And uh, I remember in the dream how I felt, it's almost like I couldn't move. And all of a sudden, the, the dream shifted. And I saw this lady with pink hair, of all things, and I had seen uh, a couple videos of, of uh, Kat Kerr, so I knew who she was, but I had not you know, ever met her, and I didn't know a whole lot about her ministry, but I knew it was the Spirit of God. Immediately when the announcement was coming from, from Satan, she laughed so hard, and I knew it was the Spirit of God that was laughing through her. She was eating, of all things, cake. She was in a completely opposite position of her faith, but also the Word of the Lord. And it was that she was eating cake, celebrating while Satan was 
blabbing what his agenda was and getting people by the masses to believe it. And her laughter was the Holy Ghost laughter. She's eating her cake that she fell on the ground and began to roll hysterically laughing. And as she was laughing, things were just breaking. And so I, I, I woke up from that and I, was, I couldn't move. And Brenda, I could hear her walk into the room. And I said, Brenda, what time is it? She said, why? I said, note the time. She said, 4.45, why? I said, what's the time? She said, 4.45. And all of a sudden, she stopped, and she said, could it be, could it be that the reason why God gave you this dream at 4.45 is to declare a prophetic word to this nation, and here's what it is, four more years for 45. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. So, after that, the Spirit of the Lord said, I would like to have you bring her in before the end of November. I'm like, Lord, I don't even know her. I don't even know how to make that happen. Lord, I don't even know what her schedule is. Well, what I didn't know, she hears from God. She's very accurate. That God had spoke to her to come. And it just so worked out that that was the weekend that was offered and, and, and that she, you know, could come as well. So she's going to be here next week. And you heard some of the instructions of what God said he's going to do next uh, Sunday. Aren't you excited? Are you ready? I mean, why doesn't it? I mean, I never thought about that like that. Stratcom, where did, where did President Bush Jr. go when our nation was under attack in 9-11? Y'all remember? Went to Nebraska for Stratcom. Why? Because it's the whole command center of the nuclear forces. Uh, is, it, is that how they say it? Uh, it's the what? It's the nuclear command center for all of the United States military. In other words, they could command right from that spot, man, missiles that could just blow the, the enemy away. And I feel like in the spirit, that's what God was saying is going to happen. So make sure you that are watching join us as well as you. All right, let's open our Bibles to 2 Chronicles uh, 2020. And I want to talk, I want to pick back up to what I call part two of what, I don't know how this message will come out. We're a little saucier in the first service, but... I never know how the anointing is, is going to be. I'm not going to try to manufacture anything. I don't know if I'm going to be more teachy-preachy, whatever. I just don't want to be boring. So let me uh, start with this. God gave us a scripture verse, this scripture verse, 2 Chronicles 2020, last August. How many remember that when God was already announcing, saying, this year, 2020, and this vessel, including you that were listening and those of you that are watching, we all thought, oh, isn't this cute? Isn't this sweet? God is linking 2020 with 2 Chronicles 2020. And nobody, not one of us that I know of, knew that there was ever a time that we were going to have to do what 2 Chronicles 2020 says, right? I mean, God didn't say 2 Chronicles, you know, 3030 if there is one. He said 2020 for 2020. And so we're going to look at that verse in just a moment and why that is so applicable to the time and what is taking place right now in our American history. So it was August of last year. Matthew, you remember this. We were on our way in an airplane to go meet with uh, Kenneth Copeland, Brother Copeland, for two days of private prayer. And so as we were on the plane, you know this, to leave me alone, I like to just pray and look out the window. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God began to speak to me, and I said, Matthew, I heard the voice of the Lord. He just talked to me about what I'm going to share with Brother Copeland. He said, what did, what, did, what did God say? I said, God just told me that this decade is going to be very different. How many of you remember the Lord's been saying that? It would start off different, but he called it the decade of difference. Now, just because things are different doesn't mean that it's the difference. There's a difference between difference and different. Does that make sense? It's different, but there's going to be a difference. 
a good difference. And so as I began to share this word, God said to me, just like when he told the people in Luke 17, he gave them a prophetic narrative. And the prophetic narrative was Luke 17. When he spoke to a generation at that time, he said, as in the days of Noah, how I many know oh, it was a, a literal event that took place, but yet Jesus was giving them a prophetic narrative that they could say, okay, the things that are happening today, we can liken it to Noah. So fast forward to, to this particular time we're in. God said, we will enter in in a new decade as the decade of difference, and the prophetic narrative will be as in the days of Egypt and Israel. How many remember that? And then in September of the following month right here we were in fact we were airing live on daystar all over the world our conference excuse me how many remember that and the spirit of god began to prophesy and he said uh in fact this was also in georgia in a conference that god prophesied this he talked about how this new year 2020 would start off harsh how many remember that and we didn't know what harsh meant. We had no clue what God meant by harsh. But then what blew us all away is when God said it would be harsh and there would be plagues. So keep in mind, hear God speaking September of 2019 that this new year would be like Israel and Egypt and there would be a harshness but there would be plagues. How many remember this? And so none of us really knew the scope of how this would play out. We just know God spoke it. Yes or no? And so at the same time, God began to speak, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 20. Let's look at this together. If they would be so kind to put up on the side screens, we'll see what God is trying to say. Right now, the media and the airwaves are being controlled by the spirits of Jezebel. Should not be surprising. Jezebel had 450 prophets, but really, if you look at that and you read that, there were 800 false prophets all spreading false narratives, they were the ones that you could say were controlling the media, the airways of that day. It was whatever the false prophets were saying under the influence of that demonic spirit on Jezebel is what the people were believing. It's how she controlled her kingdom and the kingdoms around her. It's the same way how the devil is trying to convince a nation and wimpy preachers that are having them concede behind their pulpits when this thing has not yet played out and preachers and Christians cannot see the influencing spirit that is wanting you to come into agreement with 46 that does not exist. And the same thing happened when they announced 46 with the spirit of Jezebel through the airwaves. People began to do 1 Kings 18 verse 4. Jezebel cut off the voice of God's prophets and killed them. People began to attack well, I believe the prophets, and nothing's happening. They're wrong. Excuse me. Why are you believing the fake news that since 2016 has had an agenda to not support this president and to try to formulate every lie to take him out of office? And you're going to side with them at the expense of grieving the heart of God? We must remember 1 Kings 18.3, the verse before Jezebel killing the prophets, there was a man named Obadiah. And the Bible says that Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. It shows me how much people fear God and how much they don't fear God. They don't fear God much when they began to attack his agenda. 
when they began to attack his prophets, and when they began to so sheepishly and whippy-like agree with what the news was saying and couldn't discern the lies and the agenda, the propaganda. And so God has been very clearly saying, see, here's what prophecy is. People are quick to judge something that they have not paid a price to be. I have paid a price to be before the face of God. I have paid a price to have an intimacy with God that I have a track record that spans over 20 years that has been very accurate on many things. Have I ever missed it? Yes, I have. We'll talk about some of that. Because prophets can miss it. They do miss it. And I'll prove it out of Scripture. But here's the point. The most sacred thing when it comes to prophecy, the true prophetic essence is God's heart. Prophecy is God's heart. It's His heart, His mind, His agenda, His will communicated through His spokesman. And when we attack it, we're attacking the heart of God. Well, then why hasn't it come to pass? Are you just, are, are you here? Do you understand that some things take time? If we're in this prophetic narrative of Egypt and Israel, think about this. How true that is when God spoke that in August and September of last year. Israel and Egypt went through plagues, yes or no? Now you say, well, no, they didn't, Pastor. Listen, it wasn't until the fourth plague with the finger of God, that God says, I'm going to put a difference between my people Israel and Egypt. So we can theologically assume that maybe the first three plagues, they, with the river uh, Nile turning to blood, they both experienced that. And maybe God allowed that so that they would see the exact incredible distinction and difference that would favor his people. If he started off with the difference, they might not get the picture. So, God, there was plagues with Egypt and Israel. We've been through a plague. Exodus 14, they had a shut-in because Pharaoh said, look, I've shut them in. The nation was at a standstill. They, they were on the beach of the Red Sea, and they could not go to the north because of the terrain. They could not go to the south because of the terrain, but they had a pursuing enemy. If you look at the map, historically, they had a pursuing enemy from the left. And they had nowhere to go. The nation was at a standstill. We've been at a standstill with a pursuing enemy from the left. Yet, I said this in the first service, and, and it hit me when I said it, because I don't think any one of us really know how this thing is going to play out. In fact, I always say it this way. We need to, as one preacher said, get the how out of here. We're always so quick to, you know, give up on stuff, Never pursue it because we just don't know how, God, you're going to do this. Sometimes we're not supposed to know how God's going to do it. We just know he's going to show up. There was not one person in the days of Israel and Egypt, the pursuing army of Pharaoh and his minions and Israel, the nation, there was not one person that was standing back going, Moses, don't you see? The Red Sea is to open, just like the movies. They had nothing to look at that would even suggest that that sea would open. Now, we know that it did. So at least we can look at it and say, God, if you did that before, 
You'll do it again. In other words, you made the left pursuing army face something red called the Red Sea. You made a nation face something red, and this nation's about to face something red. And that's why, just like God stripped, come on, Pharaoh and his army of their weapons, God's going to strip the electoral map and bring it back to truth. And he's going to knock off the chariot wheels of their pursuit. What does that mean? He's going to shift the momentum where it looks like they have the upper hand. But there was not one person, not even, not even Moses. I mean, Moses, he, you know, he started to cry out to God, and God said, why are you shrieking like a girl? That's my interpretation. Sorry, ladies. Men, we don't shriek. We grunt. Everyone grunt. Come on, let me hear you grunt. Those of you at home, grunt. All right. If you're a man, grunt. Yeah, there you go. So, so here's the thing. Moses didn't even know how it was going to happen. We don't know how this thing is going to play out. We just know it is. And we need to be in a place right now where we need to fight against the forces of darkness and call on the mercy of God and celebrate like we've never celebrated. Amen? Amen? All right. Now, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 20. Believe the Lord and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and what will happen? You'll prosper. Does it say attack the prophets? No, it says, believe the prophets, and what will happen? You'll prosper. Now, the enemy has set a trap. Here's, here's what the enemy's trap is. So when the enemy was speaking in that dream, and I saw him, and I heard what he said, I realized that his announcement was a lot like Pharaoh. Again, the prophetic narrative. If you read Exodus 14, Pharaoh declared that he was having victory. God always allows the enemy to fall right into his trap. That's really what the Red Sea was. They were so arrogant and so prideful, this force from the left, that they literally thought that they could step into a Red Sea from a God of ten plagues. Are you kidding me? I would have been like, Pharaoh, you first. And then I would have ran back to Egypt. After all that I saw God do, wouldn't you? But they were filled with pride, and yet God set a trap. And don't you dare think for one moment that there has not been a trap set for those who, come on, foreign nations voted illegally. Don't think that God set a trap that is going to expose what does exist. Now, people say, well, I watched... You know, the lawyers with Mayor Giuliani. Now, I ministered to Mayor Giuliani back with Kim Clement. I don't remember how many years ago was that, Brenda? I don't remember. 2007. And I shared a lot of the word of the Lord with them at that time and just different things that God wants to do with this mystery that God said would rise up. How many were here on 9-11 when God said, he said, out of New York, I will raise up a president that... Uh, will get this nation back on course in the place where the towers were wounded. For the enemy has wounded you, but I will raise up this president that will heal this nation and bring this nation back on course. And God said for each tower that fell, this is the 9-11 prophecy, for each tower that fell, I desire to bring two terms. And he also said this, there's a prophecy documented, I've shared it with you before, and I think it might be out on prophetic perspectives. I shared it when I was down at Copeland's. God said not just two terms, but there will be two presidents that God will use, not necessarily from New York. One will be from New York, but another one that will arise. And I have a feeling, this is what I love about Kat Kerr, she's been prophesying, I think, before anybody about Pence. But God said that he's been using his trumpet. 
Trump as a trumpet. It's not supposed to be, you know, lovely. It's supposed to be loud and boisterous and chaos and, and, and have an authority with it because of the deep state and the things that have been exposed. But God said, how many were here when he prophesied? He said, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do next. It's that other tower. It's that other president. He said, I'm going to bring my recommendation. And in my recommendation, it will be my recompense. God's recommendation with pence. Recompense, what does that mean? Payback. Listen, they've tried to take our, our prayer out of the schools. They've tried to change legislation. They've torn down statues and places of our sacred land. And God is getting ready through a recompense movement as the trumpet arises to put it all back. Amen. So the enemy has set a, a trap. And he's about to get caught up in his own trap. Just like the Red Sea man, it just opened up and then just took them all out. The trap is to get the nation and their leaders to concede. Don't you dare for a moment concede, those of you that are watching. Preacher, don't you concede. Come on, if you love God, you love this democracy, you love the great United States of America, why are you wanting to throw in a towel so quickly? Well, pastor, there's not been any evidence. First of all, do you think that the attorneys, Rudy Giuliani and uh, what's her name, Powell, and, and the other ones are, are going to be so quick to say, now here's the evidence that we have. No, you, you, you save your, ed your evidence so that they cannot form a defense against you. And then when you get into the courtroom, you pull out your sword and say, here it all is. And you cut the head of Jezebel and their false prophets off. So get rid of your conceding spirit. And if you've conceded, unconcede. Do it right now. I unconcede. I never conceded, so I don't have to do that. I think you guys are terrific. I think you're going to do a great job. I think it's just been huge. Listen, I think it's great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Just, I'm not going to concede. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm not going to do it. So I'm not going to concede, and neither is he. President Trump don't concede. He won't. Because he's fighting, and he has been fighting for you. And that's the problem. The backslidden church and a bunch of Christians that I don't know where their head is can't see how much he's been fighting for America, fighting for the church, while we've been fighting against each other and fighting against God's agenda through him. Told you I had too much sugar. I'm really, really good up here. Now, the second thing is, listen, if you're not enjoying it, I'm enjoying myself. The second thing, the trap of the enemy is to get the church to become sleepy. Yeah, sleepy. So if he can get you to concede, why are we so willing to concede to a party of the non-religious? Do you think God wants us to just throw it and go, okay, if you don't want to worship our God and name the name of Jesus, okay, it's okay. Why are we conceding so much to a party that thinks it's okay to kill babies in the womb, even up to nine months and after birth? Why are we wanting to concede to a nation that mocks traditional marriage? You're handing it practically to the devil. And he's just laughing at some of you. But what's worse is some of you put a check mark right by it and gave it legislative and legal access to try to stand in the land. That's called being an accessory. You're aiding. Well, you're making me mad, Pastor Ankle. You're making God mad. 
Number, okay, so let's talk about the sleep. Can we talk about the sleep? The sleep that he's, you know, it's like this. Jacob was asleep, and God visited him, but he, but he didn't even know it. That's where some Christians are at. They're so asleep that they don't realize that God is trying to visit this nation with an amazing visitation of his glory, and, and they're asleep. They don't realize that God, God is in this nation. I'm not going to hand this nation over to the devil. Then there's the sleep of Samson. People just being lulled to sleep by the lustful, or whatever her name was. Right? Taking a man who is anointed and reducing him to a wimp. That's exactly what's happening to some preachers. They're becoming wimpy because you're being seduced by the culture. Numbers are more important to you. You're afraid of their faces. I'm not afraid of your faces. I'm not afraid of man, beast, or police, but I do respect the police. And let me say this. Some of you, you've been preaching motivational messages for so long, and, and that's great. I preach motivational messages. That's the way of faith. But why aren't you motivated when they were burning down buildings of innocent people who lost everything, didn't matter what color they were? You didn't speak up, and you weren't motivated to call it lawlessness. Why, when they're murdering babies, you weren't motivated to speak up and tell your congregation that that's wrong? When they began to say, well, we got to shut down the church, you conceded. Okay, how long, Mr. Government and Governor, do you want us to shut down? Are you kidding? Say, down with conceding. I'm going to concede anything. The devil's underneath my feet. And so is the spirit of conceding. The other thing the devil wants to do is get you to attack each other. Because he knows that a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. So he gets you to attack his prophets. That's why 2 Chronicles 20, 20 is the word of the Lord. Believe the Lord and you will be established. Believe his prophets and you will prosper. So what is the fight? The fight is... Not, it's not dependent. See, here's where some Christians are. They're, 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 they've got it wrong. They're, well, when this thing hits the Supreme Court, yeah, that's going to be important and all. But really, it's more than that. Can I be honest with you? This isn't about, you know, we're going to just put all of our trust behind the, the lawyers. We're going to put all of our trust behind the Supreme Court. No, God's allowing this stuff to happen to shake his church up and say, who is going to be on the Lord's side and fight to pull the mercy of God, the agenda of heaven to the earth? Now let me show you Jeremiah 18. So sometimes when prophets prophesy, people just think they don't have to do anything. And yet look at Jeremiah 18, verse 7. I believe this is exactly where we should be at as a nation, but God is such a good God. But I want you to see that there's certain things that are conditional. And, it, and it's, there's a requirement on our part to cooperate with the will of God. That's what prophecy is. At what instant, let's just say it this way for sake of time, if I speak concerning a nation to bring judgment, all right, that would be the pulling down, the plucking up, the destroying, yes or no? So God says, all right, if I, if, if I look at the nation and I feel that they deserve judgment, and that's what my intent is or what the people deserve, but watch what happens if the people align themselves to the character of God to the side of God's nature, which is good all the time. 
Not just part of the time. He's better than that. If that nation, watch this, whom God pronounced judgment, turns from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. Some of you know God will shift. That's where we're at. Yeah, we probably deserve judgment. But how many know we're not in that era? That's not the event of God on his telling time by God's watch. The God of events. It's not on his event calendar that this nation is going to go to a 46 that doesn't exist. It will go when recompense, who he recommends, will be shifted into place. This is not about the nation going back. It's about God looking at the nation, uh, his church, and shaking you to show you that you have more authority than the Supreme Court. You have more authority than the lawyers that are representing you that you need to pray for. You have the authority to shift the nation and release the mercy of God and to bring this new era that God has promised, and it's going to happen. So get off of, well, the prophets missed it. You need to get on the prophets got it right, and I come into agreement with it. So I want to show you something about prophecy real quick. Let's talk about that because some people think, well, you know, do prophets exist? Look at Amos 3.7. Let me just teach you for just a moment. In Amos 3.7, God has made it very clear. Surely the Lord God will do nothing. Nothing means what? Nothing. nothing. Okay. So like when my kids, you tell them to clean their room and they did nothing. Right, Matt? Is that true? Is that true? No, I think you're always the meticulous one. John, if you're watching, you were the one that did nothing. <laughs> Thank you. You owe me 20 bucks after the service for saving you there, son. Okay, so anyway, but nothing means nothing. So if I told you, John, clean your room, he would do nothing. And nothing meant nothing. Not one thing was picked up, not one thing was put away. Here he is, a power lifter, an MMA fighter. And yet he could not figure out how to deadlift his laundry basket. Son, I'm picking on you there. All right. So surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he reveals his secret unto his servants, the prophets. Now watch this one. Go to Ezekiel 7, 26. So does God, in times of crisis, does he just put us at the mercy of a, of a goofball uh, airwaves? No. Right? And let them be the, the, the report in the news that you're going to believe. Right? Listen, we're in a Mark 5 moment. Sorry, I got some in my contact. That doesn't help either. Okay, anyway, so Mark chapter 5, how many remember the, the man with the legion of demons? Man, he was controlling the whole airways. And it wasn't until Jesus showed up and cast the devil out of that man that the whole airwaves began to shift, and he became a preacher. This is what's happening, man. These legion of demons that are trying to speak through the airwaves, God is about to deliver this and shift this thing where there are going to come some powerful new networks that are going to rise in the land. So... Look at Ezekiel 7, verse 26. I like it out of the Amplified. It says, disaster will come upon disaster. Okay, so sometimes there will be disasters. But then here's the part where we've got to be careful. Rumors will be heaped upon rumor. How many know what a rumor is? What is a rumor? It's not true. Right? It's a lie. And so rumors will come. That's the time you need to do 2 Chronicles 20, 20. Believe the Lord and you will be established. Believe his prophets and what? You'll prosper. Notice what they do. Then they will seek a vision from the prophet. Now watch what happens to the preachers. But the law or the word and even their guidance will be lost from the priests. That's what we're seeing right now. We've got so many priests, preachers, you could say, giving no guidance 
or truth from the word because they've sold out to the rumors. Let that one just kind of... And the wise counsel will cease from the elders. That's why we need to listen to what God is saying and come into agreement. Now look at the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 12, 28. If you're looking for a church, this is what you ought to put on your list. Make sure it has these things. Because God sets them in and, and people take them out. God sets some in the church, watch this, first apostles, second prophets, thirdly teachers, and after that miracles. Then gifts of healings. So there should be healings and helps and governments and, yep, people speaking in tongues. Amen? You should see that. And then Ephesians 4.11, this is set in by Jesus. And notice he gave some, some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. So this is, this is what Jesus has set in in the New Testament. So whenever God wants to do something in the earth, he's going to choose those that he has uh, used in their track record to prophesy his heart, mind, will, and intent. Well, we have to be careful. Look at Psalm 105, verse 15. This is written by God. He said, touch not my anointed, and do my prophets no harm. I want to show you a story. Look at 2 Kings chapter 2. This is, a, this is kind of a hilarious story. I mean, it isn't funny because, you know, some kids died and all that. That's not funny. But if you look at it, you're like, why is this in the Bible, God? So let's look at it in the message. So Elisha, this powerful prophet, was on his way to Bethel, and some of the little kids came out from, from the town. Now, it says little kids, but really they were teenagers, so it's not like God's taking out five-year-olds. You know, I think that would be kind of a cruel thing. God picking on the kids. Where's Mr. Rogers when you need him, right? So Elisha was on his way. Let's could say, you know, young, young, young adults, okay? And they came out of the town and taught him, what's up, bald head? Out of the way, skinhead. And Elisha turned. He wasn't going to have anything to do with it. Took one look at them and cursed them in the name of God. You want to talk about the bare necessities? Two bears charged out of the underbrush. Knocked them out. God, this is graphic. Ripped them from limb to limb and tore off their tongues and ripped off their ears. And that's my interpretation. And 42 children died in all. That is unbearable to think. Wow. Just because they touched the prophets of the Lord. Pastor, are you saying some bears are going to come out and attack me? I didn't say that. I could barely believe this story myself. But I will tell you this. It's in the Bible for a reason. Where God is saying, don't touch those that are carrying my heart, my mind, my will and intent. And if I have to deal with them, the Lord says, I will deal with my prophets. Amen? Now let's go on. So how many know there are three realms of communication? Let me start wrapping this up. How many ever heard of the FCC? Federal, help me out, Brent. I always forget it, yet I was trying to make a great point. What is it? Federal, say it again. I forgot it. Say it slower. Federal, I said it right in the first one. Federal Communication Commission. There you go. How many got it? Federal Communication Commission. But in the spirit, when it comes to discerning the prophetic and those of you that are watching, I call it FCC as well. Because there's three realms of information. There's the first realm, which is the information age. And that's what we're in. We're in an information revolution right now. We're in an information warfare. 
where a lot of what people are believing and choosing to believe is what's coming from the newspapers, the magazines, and the airwaves. Now, how does it get to that place of that kind of fear, control, manipulation? It's the second realm, which is the warfare realm, where Ephesians 2, 2 says that the devil is the prince of the power of the air. And so what he does in that warfare realm is he, he concocts an agenda, assignments, and then he gets you to believe it as it's pulled down into the earth realm through the media. So every time you repeat it, every time you say that 46 exists, because they said so, you're helping to pull that into existence. But then there's the highest realm of all, and it's the third heaven where God speaks from his throne through his prophets with authority and says, God said, I put this man in your land, and he will stand again. And no, I don't believe God made a mistake. It's going to be 2024. So FCC, the first thing is when a prophecy comes, especially concerning a nation, you have to do Hebrews 4.2. Look at Hebrews 4.2. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them. Okay, so why did the word not being, or being preached did not profit them? Let's keep reading. Because it wasn't mixed with faith. Someone say faith. That's the F of the FCC. It wasn't mixed with faith. Now, there's no difference. When God speaks his word, we need to mix it with faith. When God speaks a rhema word, we need to, from his throne and from his heart, we need to mix it with faith. That's why Mark chapter 4, Jesus said these words, If you know the story of the sower who sows the word, you will understand all things, not some things, all things that pertain to the kingdom. So if the sower sows the word, right here, he, God sows his words, his heart, through his prophets. What did the devil do immediately when the word was sown? Remember, he came immediately to do what? To steal. What we saw on November 7th, 2020, exactly 20 days to the date that Al Gore announced the same thing, 46 that doesn't exist announced that they were the next president. November 7th, same day that Al Gore did 20 years prior. So what people do is the enemy comes immediately to steal the words that the prophets have been declaring. To get you to bite on it. Why? So he could seize a nation. But he's not going to have his way. That's why 1 Timothy 1.18 says, Wage a good warfare by the prophecies that have been given to you. That by those prophecies, watch this, you can hold faith, a good conscience, and avoid shipwreck. Isn't that right? How many of you don't want to shipwreck in your faith? You don't want to shipwreck in your nation. The next thing is choice. Man's choice is involved. We think sometimes, when I was talking with Dutch Sheets and, uh, and Chuck Pierce when they were here, we were talking about sometimes when an accurate word comes, people, they tend to think that they don't have to do anything, that it's just automatic. They don't have to pray. They don't have to fast. They don't have to add their agreement. They don't have to celebrate. And, and Matthew 23, 37, look, look here. Jesus is speaking, and he says this. Look at the choice of man. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, that kills the prophets and stone those which I sent unto you. So these were true prophets. Notice the agenda of God in the next phrase here. How often I would have. So how many know that is a, that's a choice? I would have. God was trying to say, look, I had an agenda to gather you, your children, 
as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But watch this. Watch the human choice. That's the F is faith, C is choice, human choice. He said, you would not. And sometimes when it comes to prophecies, people are so quick just to, to deem it as wrong. When I ministered to Mayor Giuliani with Kim Clement years ago, we, had, we spoke to him about being a gatekeeper and how God was going to align him as a gatekeeper. We had no clue that that's being played out right now as he represents as the top lawyer, as a gatekeeper of this nation. I'm watching that word that did not make sense when, when Kim had his six foot by eight foot calligraphy thing and I had my little dot matrix printer thing because you know, that's all I had. And Kim had long hair and no suit, and I had a suit and a tie. We looked like complete opposites. But the point was we gave the word of the Lord. And at that time, I didn't understand fully how it was going to be played out. And Kim looked at me, and he said, Hank, why is it when I look at you, I see me? We carry the same anointing for this nation. But he said, you're going to stand in a place that I will not, and I'm not for, uh, permitted or permitted. It's amazing. He's in heaven. I'm standing here now in the very message that God gave both of us for years, that there would be a president that would rise up from New York and God would give him two terms. The other, the other C is conditions, the if factor. Now here's what we have to, to watch. If they would come to the piano, please. I'm going to start wrapping this up. Here, here's the if factor, and this is so important. You know, we've all always quoted 2 Chronicles 7.14. How many have ever quoted that? You, you like that, you know, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves, uh, turn from their wicked ways, seek my face, I'll hear from heaven, heal their land. And we automatically think, well, God, see how lazy your church is. See, and and that, that might be true, but God always looks at a remnant. And we cannot make the same mistake that Abraham did. God obviously... Was, was wanting to spare Sodom and Gomorrah, or he would have never come down and talked to his friend about what he was thinking of doing. If it was automatic, if it was going to happen, why would he discuss it with his friend? And so it was Abraham's idea, which some Christians do. They put their amount or percentage on how many people need to repent to shift the nation. And he started his own countdown, 50 righteous, no, not 50, 45, 40, it sounded like an auctioneer. And it got down to 10, and God said, no, I cannot find 10. What would have happened? The very one that God came to talk to, who obviously was righteous or God wouldn't have been speaking to him, what if he would have said, God, will you remember Sodom and Gomorrah for one righteous me? Listen, it happened in the days of Moses. God wanted to wipe out the whole children of Israel. He said, I'll start over with you, Moses. And one man stood up in the face of God and said, God, if you're going to blot their name out, you're going to blot my name out. But Lord, you will remember your covenant. And God changed his mind and said, all right. I believe that God has found enough of us, patriots that are beating our plowshares into spears. We may not look polished we may not be perfect but we're coming out of the the, the creek bed we're coming out of our, our basements we're coming out of our attics we're coming out of our shacks we're coming out from from the left and from the right and we're saying you will not have our democracy you will not have the Lord's church and you will not have this nation now I want to give you something to think about because right now we are in a place where we need to fight not because God hasn't told us already the outcome. It's about God extending his mercy. And I believe that there is a certain level of what heaven wants to release that I want every bit of it. 
I don't want anything left out. And so what we should not do is attack the prophetic word. We need to come into agreement. Lord, you said it. Therefore, we are taking what you said, God, and we are looking down at the devil from our heavenly seat, and we're saying to every fraudulent act and every vote that does not count, you are cast out. You are not included in the tally. We command the electoral vote and numbers to shift towards righteousness. We take our authority rather than just concede and be a wimpy Christian that's going to throw your nation away. What an insult to every true veteran. Every true, come on. Anybody serve in the military? What an insult to you who signed up to defend our freedoms and thank you. And some of them that were killed on the battlefield and they dripped their blood upon foreign soil for you. And yet you're willing to throw your democracy away so easily. Think about it. Hezekiah came up. Isaiah 38. This is your homework. And he prophesied to the king. So do you think that was a, that was a word that probably got around the kingdom? <gasps> Prophet Isaiah just prophesied to King Hezekiah that he's going to die. There was no conditions that was put upon that prophetic word. He didn't say, you're going to die, but if you change your mind and put your face against that wall, the Lord will repent and you shall be granted 15 more years. Nothing like that ever came up, right? So, why wasn't he stoned? You ever thought about that? Why, what about Jonah? Jonah comes, and his word is even more harsh. He didn't give any condition, if you read the book of Jonah. He just went to Nineveh. He said, repent. You're going to be overthrown in 40 days. He even put a time frame. Oh, boy, how many prophets? Well, they just missed the timing. Right? He wasn't stoned. In fact, he was so mad, he had, a, he had a prophetic attitude. And he went and, and, hit, and hit under a juniper tree, and God had to send an east wind and some hot weather to deal with his prophet. But why was an east stoned? You can't tell me everybody in, jo uh, in, in Jonahville, in, uh, what's the word, Nineveh, <laughs> in Nineveh, <laughs> were probably saying, hey, dude, you're a false prophet. I'm sure. But they understood what a false prophet was. Okay, look at Deuteronomy chapter 18. Look at verses 20 through 22. See, we, we, we don't understand. This is why you've got to go back and look at Deuteronomy 13. Read the whole chapter. False prophets could prophesy true stuff. Yes. And the same law for a false prophet, which was to turn people's hearts away from God unto false idols and to purposely deceive them. That's what the false prophet was. If you read Deuteronomy 13 as we're going to Deuteronomy 18, you will see that that was not just for the prophets. It was also if any relatives did that, they were to be stoned under the same law. Read it. It's in Deuteronomy 13. But look at Deuteronomy 18. But any prophet who falsely claims to speak in my name or who speaks in the name of another God must die. Yep, see you right there, Pastor Hank. If the prophet's words don't come to pass, they should die. First of all, that's Old Testament. Second of all, you don't understand the word falsely. That's not a true literal translation. What it means is a prophet who speaks, is, speaks presumptuously or what the Hebrew word there literally means is, I'll read it to you like the way it really is. But any prophet who presumptuously or purposefully, rebelliously, with hot intention to deceive, claims 
to speak in my name or speaks in the name of the God. The prophets of the land that spoke about Donald J. Trump did not have that purposeful intent, hot blood, so to speak, to deceive. So, verse 21, you wonder, how then will we know whether or not a prophecy is from the Lord? Now watch this. If the prophet speaks in the Lord's name, but his prophecy or prediction does not happen or come true, you will know that the Lord did not give that message. That prophet, the true prophet, has spoken without my authority and need not to be what? So don't sweat it. Get over it. Quit writing about it on social media and having a cow. Sometimes the reason why the word of the Lord didn't come to pass is maybe the message was given, and remember FCC, it wasn't mixed with faith. Man didn't do their part, the C, choice, and God's condition wasn't met. So let's go back. Think about Jonah. Why wasn't he stoned? Here's a good one. Do you know Exodus 7, as we're closing, he, the Bible says Aaron was a prophet according to Exodus 7, verses, I think, 1 and 2. So here Aaron was a prophet. What did he do? He did exactly what a false prophet did under the law. He led the people on purpose away from God to deceive them to worship a golden calf. Yes or no? Now, watch this. Watch how quick we are to stone God's heart through the prophets and their messengers. But yet my question is, Moses is coming down from his glory meeting in Exodus 32. God said, hey, get down. There's a noise. There's a smell. I don't like it. And the fresh law of God was in Moses' hands. Yes or no? That would have been the perfect time to enforce the law or soon after of a false prophet. But why wasn't his brother, by God's order, stoned? Because we don't understand there's a lot more that goes into it. Let me show you another one. Oh, I'm almost done. King Josiah was a powerful reformer. And God prophesied to him through a woman named Hulda. So I don't know where Hulda was from. But we know that her name was Hulda. Okay. So, so watch this. So look at 2 Chronicles 34 verse 28. Let's look at the Hulda's prophecy. <laughs> As we studied the word of God. Okay, look at verse 28. This is hold this prophecy. Behold, I will gather you to your fathers, and thou shalt be gathered to your grave. How? In peace. All right, so if I prophesied over you in the same anointing as Hulda, and I said you're going to die in peace, how many of you think you're, how, how, how do you view yourself leaving planet Earth? In peace. What does that mean? Come on, shut up. Nothing missing. Nothing broken in his sleep, right? Very peaceful. Okay. So all eyes will see the evil that I will bring upon this place and upon the inhabitants of the same. Okay, now look at the whole, this prophecy, what the, actually happened. 2 Chronicles 35, verses 23 to 24. And the archers shot King Josiah. Boy, that sounds really peaceful. And the king said to his servants, Take me away from what? Severely wounded. Sounds very peaceful. Sounds like, hold the mist, don't you think? <laughs> Are we reading this same Bible, yes or no? Okay. So you can see here, hold the mist, it. But why not to hold the, the stone? We don't know. Okay, stand on your feet. Let me show you one another one. As a beautiful Lenin sister, oh, he's not the Lenin sister play. 
You don't have any idea what I'm saying. Okay. How many of you love the prophet Elijah? He was a tough dude. Anybody love the prophet Elijah? All right, I love the prophet Elijah. But you know what? Look at, look at the prophet Elijah's prophecy. So God had it up to here with Ahab and Jezebel. Don't think, you know what Ahab is? Ahab is a weak leader. Okay, why do you think they've been trying to switch the ticket on the left and they were constantly trying to put the woman ahead of the man? Hint, hint. Right? Okay, you can interpret that as you want. Now, here's the thing. In 1 Kings 21, I'll read out of the, the New Living Translation. So listen to the prophecy as we close this baby of what Elijah said. He said, give him this message. This is what the Lord says to you, Ahab. Wasn't it enough that you killed Naboth? Must you rob him too because you have done this? Now watch the prophecy. Dogs will lick your blood at the very place where they lick the blood of Naboth. Let's keep reading. So my enemy, you have found me, Ahab exclaimed to Elijah. Yes, Elijah answered. I've come because you have sold yourself to what is evil in the Lord's sight. So now the Lord says, I will bring disaster on you and consume you. Ooh, man, that's a strong prophecy. Notice he's saying the Lord says. Who says? Mark that down. I will destroy every one of your male descendants, slave and free alike, anywhere in Israel. I'm going to destroy your family as I did the family of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and the family of all these other people we don't know how to pronounce their names. For you have made me very angry, God said. He's very angry. You're going to see this. And have led Israel into sin. And regarding Jezebel, your goofy wife. Oh, can't say that. Your oofy wife. The Lord says, dogs will eat Jezebel's body at the plot of land in Jezreel. And the members of Ahab's family who die in the city will be eaten by dogs, and those who die in the field will be eaten by vultures. Don't you love this prophet? <laughs> no one else so completely sold himself to what was evil in the Lord's sight as Ahab did under the influence of his wife Jezebel. His worst outrage was worshiping idols just as the Amorites had done. The people whom the Lord had driven out from the land ahead of the Israelites. So let's see, did this prophecy come to pass? But when Ahab heard this message, he tore his clothes, dressed in burlap and fasted, and even slept in burlap and went about in deep mourning. Then another message from the Lord came to Elijah. Do you see how Ahab has a hundred, has, what does that say, humbled himself before me because he's done this. I will not do what I promised during this lifetime. It will happen to his sons. I'll destroy his dynasty, but not him. Boy, can prophecies change then? Now, the prophet police out there would say, oh, see, that prophet's just changing his word to save his butt. You're just showing how, you're, you're just showing your adolescence regarding how God speaks to, to, to the prophets. So I just want to encourage you that. With every head bowed, every eye closed, Father, we thank you for the people today. If you've not accepted Jesus Christ just in the closing moments, I want you to say this with me. I want to give you that opportunity. Those of you that are listening around the world or those of you that are in this room, say, Heavenly Father, I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins and be the Lord of my life. Amen. Now, put your hand on your head for just a moment. If you don't mind, I just want to pray a prayer blessing over you.
Heavenly Father, I pray for every person that their hand is upon their head and those that are watching, unless you're driving, just, you know, I speak this word over you. I come against every spirit of fear, anxiety. I come against every lying spirit, the powers of Jezebel and any other mind-altering spirit. And I command in the authority of Jesus Christ, come off! And I loose upon you now the peace of God, the truth of the Holy Spirit. May your eyes be open to see God's perspective. May your ears hear clearly, thus saith the Lord. And I pray that there will be a fight and a boldness that will come not only inside of you but out of you to fight for the Lord, for His church, and for this great nation and its democracy. And Lord, I release that anointing now upon the people in the sound of my voice. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.